you ever feel as if you are stuck on an island alone and confused? Or like you are under a dark cloud and will never see the sun again? Do you ever carry a ball and chain and walk around in circles in your mind, knowing you are in the pits with no way out? We've all been there. Sometimes are worse than others. We all get clobbered with the mulligrubs. However, this should not be our constant companion because there is a way out. The Mully Grubs. You ever been there? You ever go there? You ever get so down that looking up seems impossible? Despairing, despondent, on the verge of tears with the slightest event, can't even laugh at a joke. Pretty far down. In these times, your whole world seems dark. There's no light at the end of the tunnel because the tunnel is too long and seems to be going straight down. I think most of us can recall times like these. But having these dark times is a common human experience. The Bible records many of God's saints going through the mulligrubs. But every one of them found their way out sooner or later, but they all came out of it except Judas. Now, each of us probably knows someone who also didn't make it out of their darkness alive. I have many friends and acquaintances who opted for leaving this existence rather than enduring the pain that they were in, whether it was physical or mental or emotional. There are many books written by people detailing their experience with pain and all of its manifestations. Most of these writers that I'm familiar with used journaling as a means of dealing with whatever they were going through so that they could come to an awareness and an understanding possibly of their situation. And this is what I think David the psalmist did, we see in the Psalms, because he wrote, he wrote about his experience. He journaled, and he turned them into songs. And he's given us the Psalms. Now, many of the Psalms we have in the Bible are called Psalms of Lament. It's been estimated that maybe 70% of the Psalms contain some form of lament or crying out to God. They range from struggling with disease and death to the victory and prosperity of the wicked to downright disappointment with God. All of this we find in the Psalms. And Psalm 13, as we read this morning, contains one of those lamentations. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long have you ever cried out with that phrase? How long do I have to put up with this? Sometimes we make it personal to another person. How long do I have to put up with you? David cries out with this despondency four times within the first two verses of this psalm. How long? 
And the question, how long, shows up 38 times in 15 verses of the Psalms. <laughs> there were times when David just, he reached the end of his rope. How long? Once we enter that dark place, it seems that time stands still, doesn't it? Seems like we've been there forever. I can't remember getting into it, and there certainly doesn't seem to be any way out. If we try to pray, it seems as if the heavens are made of brass and our words get no higher than the ceiling. Like David, we may feel that God is hiding his face from us. Why would God do that? Why would he hide his face from us? When we buy into that lie, we then turn within, just like David says in the second verse. How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Now we know in the natural David had plenty of enemies, but for us, the enemy is any negative emotion that we're facing. That's how we'd apply it in this verse. And we try to find the answer to our problems within ourselves. How often do we go there? We go with, we turn within. David said he was taking counsel with his own soul. He was turning inward looking for the answer. May I suggest to you that this is an exercise in futility. The soul is that ethereal realm of the personality comprised of the mind, will, and emotions. And the soul is that place where you get the mulligrubs. Therefore, how can you take counsel from that which is filled with the darkness of despair? Would it not be better to search for answers somewhere outside yourself? But it is when we go inside of ourselves that we become most depressed. And that seems to be the way of the human. We turn it inward. What did I do wrong? Why me? All those things. We look at the circumstances around us. We make an assessment and an assumption and realize that we are hopeless and helpless. Whenever we look at the circumstances of a situation and compare them to our abilities, we enter the dark place of despair. Now that's what happened to Elijah after he defeated the 400 prophets of Baal. I don't know if you're familiar with the story, but Elijah was uh, having trouble with Jezebel and Ahab and the prophets of Baal and the people of Israel. And he finally called for a contest on Mount Carmel. And he called the 400 prophets of Baal up on the mountain. And he had them, he, he, and then he, he told the people, he says, how long will you halt between two opinions? If Baal be God, then serve Baal. But if the Lord be God, then serve the Lord. And he said, we'll have a test today to see who God, who is God. And so he put up a situation where Baal had an altar of sacrifice 
and Elisha had an altar of sacrifice. There was an ox on each one of them. And he said, the God who answers by fire is God. So the prophets of Baal did all their stuff. They danced a jig. They ran circles around it. And they hollered and they screamed. And they cut themselves. And Elisha mocked them. He said, maybe your God's asleep. And when they had exhausted themselves and there was still no fire, Elijah said, okay, let's get this thing going. He poured water on his offering seven times. And he called out to God and boom, there was the fire. Now, this kind of irked the prophets of Baal and Jezebel. But he had proven who God was. However, after this massive victory against the forces of evil, Elijah heard that Jezebel was after him and he got scared and ran. I've known people like this who are on top of the world one minute and with just a phone call can hit the bottomless pit of the mulligrubs. If your happiness is dependent on outward circumstances being good, then you will forever be a yo-yo at the effect of the world in which you live. Up and down, up and down, back and forth, forever being yanked around and never finding a place of stability within your emotions. Elijah eventually discovered this while he hid in the cave from Jezebel. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 9 through 13, we read, there, this is at the end of his running, there he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Do you remember God speaking to Adam? Adam, where are you? God wasn't after the answer. He was wanting his servant to wake up. We continue to read. He, Elijah, said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, only I, I'm the only one left. And they seek my life to take it. And he said, that's the Lord said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire... The sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? <clears throat> Elijah had defeated the 400 prophets with the power of God, but he was running scared from an evil woman. When he finally came to a place of stopping, the Lord got his attention. Notice, though, that the first few things Elijah saw and heard didn't help to solve his problem. 
There was a strong wind so powerful that it broke the rocks. But the Lord was not in the wind. There was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire either. Now those three things are could be terrifying in themselves. And they were great events in which Elijah was looking for the Lord. How often do we get turned by what we hear as great events? Sometimes we may think that the way out of our doldrums is to find something exciting to put our attention on. Maybe I can find my answer in that conference with that popular preacher. Maybe God is in that big tent meeting outside of town. I don't think we have those too much anymore. <clears throat> Usually, however, after the momentary excitement, we find ourselves still in the maelstrom of our negative emotions. Whether you turn to religious exercises or secular exercises, you can go to a conference, go to a show in Branson, trying to get out of your molly grubs. You go to that show in Branson, as soon as you leave, driving home, you're depressed again. After we have exhausted all of our efforts at trying to hold the despair at bay, we finally come to a place of quietness. The turmoil has spent itself of all its energies. That is when we can hear the still small voice asking the question that will bring us to our senses. What are you doing here? What are you doing here down in the dumps feeding yourself on the mully grubs? Is this where you'll find life? Elijah was not the only one of God's people to suffer this way. There's many others. We've mentioned David. We've only got time for one more who suffered this way. That would be Jesus. There's always time for Jesus. Jesus went through this same sort of despair. We know this from a description of him given in Hebrews. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. <clears throat> For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Now we see this despair manifested in the life of Jesus just before he died on the cross. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. What is, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Had God forsaken him? God who never forsakes us. Jesus was at the verge of despair in his humanity. He felt what we feel when all is dark 
around us. There is no truth in that feeling, though. God has not forsaken us, nor did he forsake Jesus. Our feelings are real. Don't get me wrong. Our feelings are real, but they do not necessarily reveal the truth. The truth is, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be content in your circumstances, whatever they are, whatever's going on around you, and know that he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That truth is not dependent or measured by our circumstances. David was able to bring himself back to the truth of God, which helped him to rise out of his despair. Back to Psalm 13, verses 5 through 6, he says, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. He's looking at the circumstances getting cast down, but when he begins to remember the truth, he says, you've dealt bountifully with me. My whole world's falling apart and you've dealt bountifully with me. Absolutely contrary to the way we normally function and think. David's circumstances didn't change before he changed his thinking. He changed his thinking and then his circumstances changed. While we maintain our dark thoughts, staying down there in the pit, feeding on the mulligrubs, then your world will continue to be dark and things will continue to be wrong, out of kilter, out of sorts. But when you can change your thinking and begin to allow the truth of God's word to penetrate your thinking, to determine our assessment of the circumstances, let God's word challenge what we think about what's going on. When you can do that, there is the distinct possibility that the mulligrubs will no longer be your companion. Jesus said in John chapter 8, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. When we fill our minds with the truth, we gain more and more freedom. When you find yourself cast down, put down, out of sorts, find your release, not within yourself looking for what you've done wrong or why you deserve this, but find your freedom in, he will never leave me, he will never forsake me, he will never leave you, he will never forsake you. I cannot tell you how important that is in your life. It's extremely important. Amen.